I'm Jake. I'm one of the pastors, like Josh explained. Uh, it is good to be with you guys tonight. It's always good to be with you. This is really weird, like a overweight Toby Mac or someone like that. Uh, <laughs> y'all bear with me for a second. Jesse, would you put on the lyrics to A Mighty Fortress? Can you do that? Is that easy? I just assume, you know. Uh, go to the second one. Uh, the third one. <laughs> yes. Our God is jealous for his own. Uh, Cody mentioned it. I, when you preach, you can provide input to the, uh, to the set list. So I wanted to clarify that. You can't just make the set list any week you want. You know, we, as elders, we protect against creed or any other uh, foreign worship influences that might that might enter the building um, it is so good uh, to be with you guys and I, I I got to pick the songs and there was a way I picked those songs I offered them to Cody Cody is our worship leader I trusted him to either use them or to not use them to order them he ordered them they sang them my gosh I mean just beautiful 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 this is all that really needs to be said, our God is jealous for his own. And I pray that tonight you would uh, take such great comfort and flattery um, that you are pursued and that God is jealous for your love. And that while we, while some may constantly give it to other places, uh, he still desires it and he still pursues. And so... I just, I want to start with that. That was off the hook, off the cuff. Um, that showed up, and, uh, and man, wow, uh, beautiful. So, so uh, I get to preach the next letter in Revelation uh, to the church in Thyatira. And so I'm going to try and not say that a lot, but I probably will. Uh, that's an awkward name. Um, that is how I believe it's pronounced, Thyatira. So, uh, I want to do, do a couple things tonight. Uh, these have been really kind of fun, and some have been really uh, convicting. But just to, to hear, like, history, to hear what was going on at this time uh, in the faith in, in the different cities has been, has been great. Um, so, I want to do the same. I want to talk to you a little bit about Thyatira, almost as in, like, a, a foundational history backdrop uh, kind of thing. And then, two. After that, I want to walk through our points. Uh, I, I believe Andrew mentioned it as elders. We've looked at these letters, and we've looked at how they all have common themes. And so I'm going to walk through that, and then I'm going to see if there's any way we can apply it to our own lives. So just giving you a heads up. You know, want to, want to keep you all abreast of the situation. So um, Thyatira as a city was 40 miles southeast of Pergamum, which is what Andrew... There you go. Andrew spoke about last week. Um, not a huge government city, not a significant uh, uh, po political city. Uh, it was a significant trade route for industry. So Thyatira was more of an industry craft uh, city. Um, it, it, it wasn't uh, religiously important. And that's kind of part of what our church's problem was. 
They were doing great things, but they had not transformed this city. This city had plenty of idols, plenty of gods, and, and that was the problem as, as we'll get into it. So when I say industry and, and trade, uh, or industry and craft, we think about um, bakers, painters, tanners, metal workers, uh, ashamedly the slave trade. Um, it was very well known for dyeing, um, coloring of fabrics, not like dying or I don't know what that was. <laughs> That's a finger gun. Uh, so, <laughs> so very well known for its dyeing of wools, uh, its dye trade. And so, like I say, not so much political, not so much governmental, not a, not a fortified city, not a powerful kingdom, but more just of a supplier. All the, all the crafts and all the industry was here. Now, let me, let me take a second and, and just walk with me and humor me. Um, I think of Baton Rouge, and I'm not trying to force the issue. Um, I work in the industrial sector. I don't know what, what that means. Um, I work for a subcontractor who works in the plant, and I could probably throw a rock in here. I'm not going to do that, I promise. Uh, so I could throw a rock, and whoever I'd hit, you would somehow be influenced or affected by the refineries, the chemical plants, everything. We are in a booming place for industry and for trade. Several of us are safety workers, our subcontractors, our engineers, our operators. You know, we, we run the gamut. And like I say, you don't have to work directly for the plants to be influenced by the plants here, whether you, whether you think about that stuff or not. I know y'all, don't, y'all may not sit around and think about that. But Baton Rouge is not, it's not hard to draw that that uh, tie to Thyatira, oddly enough, if that helps, if that helps you relate to it. So um, as I mentioned before, since it was an industrial and a craft city, um, there were several craft unions. They called them guild unions, and guild meaning craft, like each, each um, section had a, a union. So the painters had a union, the bakers had a union, the... the um, uh, the dyers, the wool dyers uh, had a union. And so <coughs> what had happened was uh, those unions had begun to influence the culture. They greatly influenced the culture. And so instead of our church here, and we'll get to this, instead of our church influencing the culture with the Christian faith, uh, these guild unions each took influence into the culture by use of uh, idol worship, um, uh, corruption, uh, they compelled people to live and act a certain way based on, uh, based on like financial security. So let's say you're a Christian, you live in Thyatira, and you're a, a baker. Well, the baker's union uh, worships Apollos. And so <coughs> Apollos uh, has several festivals a year, okay? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm out on a limb here. So Apollos has a, several festivals. And to accurately and appropriately uh, worship Apollos, you, one, you go into the festival. There's sexual immorality. There is uh, a, festi- a feast. Um, you, they eat all the food uh, that has been sacrificed to Apollos. And I'm just giving you an example. Just trying to give you a framework of what we're working against tonight. So, so um, guild unions obligated to attend festivals, obligated to practice sexual immorality, obligated to, to eat that food that was sacrificed to idols, two huge 
sins that we're talking about uh, here in the letter to Thyatira. And honestly, if you didn't do that, you were subjected to some persecution. You were, uh, you were outcast if you decided, hey, I'm not going to do this stuff. I'm convicted. Um, you were expelled from the guild, which meant possible danger to your financial security, possible danger to your personal health and security. So I need you to understand that. I need you to understand that this was a place where um, Christians were persecuted somewhat, but it was indirectly. It was, we need you, you know, you worship your own God, but we need you to do this as well, right? So this is, that's Thyatira. Uh, fun place to visit. You know, the summers are beautiful. Uh, no, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm like Lauren. I, I don't know. East Coast, I'm not sure. Um, so let me stop now, because here we're going to move into, into the Bible. And I, I want to tell you that I believe, and this may seem like a random statement, but I believe that Christ is the same that he was then. I believe that when he wrote this letter to John, that he knew that I would preach it tonight. I believe that he knew you guys would sit here and listen to it tonight. And if you are drawn and pulled to pull applications from this tonight, I believe that the Holy Spirit is working that out in you. And, and I just need you to take comfort in that. Like I say, he is jealous for his people. He is still jealous for us as we walk through this passage as he was for these people here. And so just whether you think about that again tonight or not, who, who knows? Christ knows that we're doing this right now. And, it, and he's known all along. And so it's, it's great. Um, let's, let's go ahead and read. Revelations uh, 2, 18 through 29. Um, I'm going to read the whole passage, then we're going to walk back through it. So uh, why don't we stand? You mind standing? Let's stand in reverence of this. So Revelation 2, verse 18. Uh, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira write the words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance and that your latter works exceeded the first. But I have this against you that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart. And I will give to each of you according to your works, but to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give, I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken in pieces. Even as I have received authority from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So y'all go ahead and be seated. Thank you.
So let's go back to verse 18. Let's start off. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll through. I have a tendency to just get up here and get comfortable, and that's not good for you guys because I get comfortable long for a long time. You know, that's no good. Um, so let's go 18. We're, we're going to look at who, who this letter was to, uh, as we've all done as, as interns and as elders, um, to the angel in Thyatira. And as Josh began when he began the series, maybe not clear sometimes that that could lead to the uh, pastor, could lead to a prophet for Thyatira, could just lead to the general people of Thyatira. This is a letter to Thyatira. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, honestly. But this is the letter to the people of, of Thyatira. Who is it from? Uh, this is from Jesus. Um, and this is what he says. Uh, the words, uh, these are the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. Now, those are all very um, significant passages. Those are all very significant phrases. One, that he's the son of God. This place was rampant with idol worship, rampant with things that were not of him. And this very statement for anyone who read this letter would have been comforted or challenged by the fact that, you know who's writing this? The son of capital G God is writing this. Not Apollos, not Artemis, not Caesar, which you've lifted into godhood. You, these, I am God. I am the son of God. And so that is significant. Uh, it's the only time in the seven letters when he was described in that manner. Uh, it, it, would, it would be a jarring reminder that I am God and there is no other but me. Um, he says he has eyes like a flame. Uh, it, just strong imagery. Uh, where uh, his vision would burn through facades and impurities, uh, eyes that would light the darkness, eyes that would penetrate, uh, eyes that would have nothing hidden from his sight. Uh, don't, don't just breeze through. Revelation is full of such imagery. And it's amazing. Um, the next part, feet like burnished bronze. Um, a picture of firm standing in that city, right? So please don't forget when we're done here, we're going to start looking at us, at the ring. So as we look at Thyatira, Christ says, I have feet of burnished bronze. He is standing firm. Bronze was the strongest refined metal at the time. Burnished means uh, glossy or polished. So it would be, a, it would be an eye catcher. You know, that imagery would be like, my feet will be in your city and those, and, and everyone will see them because they are burnished. They are glossy. They are bright, Right? And so to those who don't believe, they will see those firm standing feet and they will fear. And to those who do believe, they will see those feet, they will see those glorious, beautiful, firm standing feet and they will be comforted because our Savior stands, like Josh said, in the midst of our city and we would take comfort from that. Um, so uh, that was the to and the from. Let's look at, at his commendation or his praise of these people. Uh, verse 19, he says, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. That might be a little confusing. It was, it was confusing to me. Beautiful words. How wonderful would it be for Jesus to walk in the door, come stand on this stage, and tell us as the ring what we've done well. And then not only tell us what we've done well, but say, look, you're doing these things better now than when you started. That's what that phrase says. And a lot of you guys, I, I've been thinking about you all day. Hey, Kate Mayfield, what's up? Um, from the very beginning, like I've seen some of you guys come in here from college. I was just getting out of college. I, I think I was still in college. I was, I was there. I was just starting my life, 
right? And so some of y'all snuck in in high school. You weren't supposed to be there, but you came. And so uh, I've known some of y'all for a long time. And so you should take comfort that, that I believe Jesus would say that about us. And that's just me. I get to stand here and tell you what I think. I, I believe Jesus would say, you guys are doing this better than when you started. Your, your works of service, your charity, your love, your patient endurance with people. I, I believe we are better than when we started. So um, whatever my opinion is worth, you know, that's good for you. So, um, uh, but, you know, some of us need to think about that, right? That should lead us into self-assessment. Am I growing? Am I maturing in my works? Uh, am, am I better than when I started? I'm, I'm 38. Am I better at 38 than I was at 24? Have I given more of my life to God? Have I yielded and surrendered? Or am I at 38 slowly taking pieces back from him, right? So that's, that's something to think about. It is a beautiful praise to these people, and they should have felt amazed to hear it, right? It was short. It was verse 19, right? So there's 10 verses. The only one verse is the praise. And then we begin the rebuke. And it gets pretty tough. Um, it, it honestly is a pretty dark passage of Scripture. Uh, the rebuke here starts in verse 20. Uh, I have against you that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing her servants to practice sexual immorality, to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. So to the church in Thyatira, he was talking about two things. He's talking about to the church in Thyatira, and he's commenting on Jezebel. But the rebuke is, you guys have tolerated this woman for too long. She is seducing my people. She is a, I am a jealous God. I'm jealous for my own, and you've allowed this person, I'm sorry, again, I don't know if Jezebel is one person or a faction of people. I, I don't know. I'm just going to keep saying Jezebel, right? So Jezebel has come in and she has begun to just seduce people away from the truth of God, from Christ. And, and, and he is jealous. He is jealous and he uh, gets, uh, he's still the judge. And so he's vengeful as well. So, um, let me tell you this. Josh spoke a couple months ago, uh, a couple weeks ago, um, on, on the uh, importance of a name. And, and I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to see this in this passage. Like, for Jesus to send this letter and to use the word Jezebel, it was an extremely, uh, extremely strong name. So for us, if I were to say Hitler, and Josh has talked about this before, you hear the name Hitler, things pop into your head, uh, just horrific atrocities and a man who, who was set to destroy a total people, right? And so uh, just a horrible person. I say the name Judas. Those of us uh, in faith and who know of Judas's story, um, it's, it's gross. It's sickening. Like, why? why? Why would you do this? Why would you betray? So he uses the name Jezebel uh, for this person or this group of people. Whatever has come in and begun to influence Thyatira like they have. Um, let me give you a little background on Jezebel. Stick with me. I'm going to jump Old Testament to Revelation a little bit. Uh, Jezebel, 1 Kings uh, chapter 16, I believe. Uh, Ahab was king of Israel at the time. And evidently, this guy was a, just kind of a weak, yielding man, evidently. Uh, not of much conviction. Um, not much backbone, honestly. Uh, I guess there's something to be taken from that as well. Um, 
it was a marriage of convenience, a marriage of, a, of advantage where he looked and in the northern kingdom of Israel, there was another king who had a daughter named Jezebel. So Jezebel was, uh, like I say, convenience where Ahab says, okay, I'm going to marry Jezebel. That's going to improve our standing in the country, in, in, uh, in the kingdom. And, uh, and I think that's a good move, you know. And I, I, don't, I don't know his true intentions, but this is what he did. So he married Jezebel. Jezebel, remember, this is the name that Jesus has used. Jezebel was a woman who neither understood nor respected the law of Moses at the time. So we're still in 1 Kings, right? Um, Jezebel gets married, comes into the, the kingdom of Israel, and begins killing the prophets of Jehovah. I don't, I don't believe, I don't agree, I don't respect, I, I don't understand. And so she just begins killing them. Um, and, and the commentaries talk about uh, this being a turning point in the moral history of the nation of Israel. That this guy has decided, I'm going to marry this woman. She comes in, starts killing prophets. And it's just amazing how one decision like that, one weak yielding decision, can set in line a lineage of uh, just sin. Um, Okay, so still Old Testament. Jezebel comes in. She uh, has 850 priests. She's begun to kill the uh, prophets of, of, Ahab, I mean of uh, Jehovah. She has 850 priests with her. She sets up a sanctuary in Jezreel, um, which is not nice during the summers. I, I don't know. Uh, and Samaria. So Jezreel and Samaria, she is a Baal worshiper. These are things maybe worse, uh, marital counseling would have <laughs> picked up on, you know. Um, th- this is not good. Ahab has not made a good move. Um, Baal worshiper, 850 priests, 450 priests to Samaria, uh, 400 priests go to uh, Jezreel, and Jezebel herself administers the uh, sanctuary in Jezreel. Now, let me, let me tell you this. So she has 400 priests believe her, uh, uh, below her, at her table, funding her sanctuary, uh, worshiping uh, Baal in this way. This is Jezebel. This is not a good move. This is not a good choice for a wife. Um, one of the things you need to know, it plays significantly into the letter, is in those days, I'll say, um, it was very common for the priestess to have sex with the men of the belief of the religion right and so that and the food sacrificed to idols they would come into the temples they would have these festivals there would be sexual immorality there would be food and so that was their act of worship to these things to these idols to these false gods right so are you like tracking with me this is crazy this this is not this is not good he calls her Jezebel, right? So back to Thyatira. Wow. Uh, a, strong, a strong comparison. Um, strong, strong comparison. So if we look at Pergamum, we look at Ephesus, we look at Thyatira, the intent of the followers of all those idols of Balaam, the Nicolaitans, and Jezebel in Thyatira was to deceive to, and to seduce God away, uh, I'm sorry, to seduce God's people into believing that they could adapt a life that both 
catered and satisfied the Christian faith, but also was able to stay in line with the uh, idol worship. So please don't miss that, whether I communicated effectively or not. One of the problems in Thyatira was that they tolerated, but also along with these guild unions and everything, all, all the influences and things, these people were just living in the world and living in the, in the faith. And they were trying to do both at one time. Now don't forget that I've said that. That's where our application comes in. These people are being drawn away. And the, the, the worst thing that these false idol worshipers could do is teach you that, hey, it's fine. Go to, go to your Christian faith church. That's fine. Go ahead over there. But don't miss the festival or you're fired, right? And, and excuse me, and so this Jezebel began to seduce and draw God's people away. Let's get to the solution to, um, to how to fix this, this problem. Verse 21 and 22, uh, God says, I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. Christ in his judgment here, I, I don't want to downplay it, but when you read this and when you study this, Christ was not honed in on the sexual immorality. He was not honed in on the idol worship, on the, on the food sacrificed to the idol, the eating of the idols. You, you get me with that? His rebuke of her was, I gave her time to repent, repent but she refuses. And then he says to those who follow her, unless they repent of her works, I will do the same. I will destroy you unless you repent. Jesus can take care of the sin. I could have filled in the blanks there with sexual immorality and any of that stuff. Jesus can take care of our sin if we obey, if we turn to him, and if we turn away from that, we say, God, I love you. I know you. I, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be seduced away to something that is not of you and so jesus is our hero here um it it's beautiful he wrote this letter right and and i'm sorry for jezebel i guess i didn't know her you know or, or these people i didn't know them but she refused and he had i gave her time to repent she refuses this is what i'm gonna do and I'm going to do this to you as well unless you repent. In the midst of anger and judgment, he still says, my children, I'm giving you time to repent. Now in our lives, that doesn't mean time to continue sinning, right? It means I'm giving you time to repent. I, I don't know when Christ, you know, hits the clock. I, I don't know when he says, I've given you enough time. That's it. That's not what I'm here to try and preach. I'm here to preach that Jesus is good and that even the people who had turned their back on him and begun to worship other deities, he still says, I desire for you to repent. Uh, I, I, I think that's beautiful. Um, let's, look at, let's look at the warning. We'll continue on, verse 22 through 23. Uh, behold, I will throw her on a sickbed. Sorry, I went too far earlier. Uh, no, 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 sorry. Uh, I will throw her onto a sickbed. And those who commit adultery with her, I'll throw into great tribulation unless they repent um, of her works. And I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart. 
and I will give to each of you according to your works. So the warning here is, let me tell you what I'm going to do to Jezebel, and I'm going to do the same thing unless you repent. It's ironic that he uses the bed as the prophetess and as the, uh, the, the perpetrator of sexual immorality. God uses that same bed. So the place where that sin has taken place, God will use that place to destroy her. And he, he alludes to that as well in, 20, in the end of 23. I will give to you uh, according, I will give to each of you according to your works. Uh, just a second, uh, let, me, let, me, uh, let me say this. Uh, here, her children, I will strike her children dead. That does not mean her offspring, uh, blood offspring. I believe that this letter, they have the same chance to repent as the other people who are following her. Just as we are children of God, just as we are followers of God, this is what the uh, wording in this text says. Her children, those who have taken up under her, those who are following her, those who believe in what she is, uh, she is walking by. Um, so that is, the, that is the warning, sorry, uh, that he will destroy them. He will throw them onto a sickbed. Let's get out of the, the pretty rough stuff and let's, let's get to 24 and let's look at the promises that Jesus offers the, the church in Thyatira. So, so you had the church in Thyatira that was tolerating sin, but you also had those who were being seduced away which meant there was a remainder that had conquered or was conquering. And let's, let's look at these folks. So 24, to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and keeps my work until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. As when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from the Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So you've got three promises in 24 through 29. And, and I don't know about you, I'll just say it right now. I hope that I would be counted. If Jesus wrote us a letter, I would like to be counted in the non-seduced people. I would like to be in the peoples who have, who have held on, who have continued on. Uh, so three promises to those who don't hold their teaching, those who are victorious over the seduction. Uh, I will not lay on you any other burden. And that's a weird phrase, right? That's, that's odd. Like, what's that burden? When I started to study it, the commentaries looked at all these uh, mysteries of Satan, like he said in the passage. They were constantly changing the requirements to stay in the unions, the requirements to hold good faith in worshiping these idols, the rules the uh, tenets of the faith, the faith for these idols. Jesus has given us his word. He's given us his faith. And it does not change, right? We have it, and it does seem heavy as we walk along, as we're being sanctified. The faith does seem burdensome, but Jesus said, you know, he says, take my yoke upon you. My burden is easy. My burden is light, right? So we have his burden, and he will not lay more on us. He, he has satisfied our guilt, from the cross and so we uh, to those of us who are over who have overcome and conquered he will not lay on us any other burden to those who conquer and keep his works i will give authority over all nations to rule with a rod of iron as the father has given authority to christ authority so i've tried to express to you what thyatira was like can you imagine what someone saying i will give you authority you will not be oppressed 
You will not be bullied by unions. You will not be bullied by business or these corrupt people who worship jokes as idols. What it would mean for someone to write a letter and say, continue on, stand fast like my bronze feet, stand fast, and I will give you authority over all nations to rule with a rod of iron. A beautiful picture of, a, of authority to an oppressed people. Um, and I will give him the morning star, the third promise. The morning star is Christ, Christ himself. We sang it in one of the worship songs. Um, he is the morning star. He's referenced several times in the Bible as being the morning star. And what a prize. And it was difficult, right, to be in that, in that city, in that church, and to be just so bombarded with, with idols in their lives and to wonder, do I worship this one, do I worship that one? But to hold fast, you know, and say, no, Christ is mine. He is the Son of God. He knows all things. He rules. He judges. And he will give himself to me if I continue and hold fast in the works. Those are his promises. So uh, a pretty, pretty crazy letter, honestly, to Thyatira. Um, I do not want to be one of those people. I wouldn't want to be one of those people who was counted in the need to repent, right? Um, I certainly wouldn't want to be Jezebel. Um, someone who had blatantly refused, who he had given time to, uh, and, he had ref- and she, had, she had refused. Um, so let's come into the ending point here, and let's talk about uh, what do we do, you know? Because I can sit here and I can talk about some church in Revelation that had this crazy woman or crazy group of people who was seducing people away from the truth of God. And so what do we do with that, right? What do, what do we, as you and me, in 2014... Um, I realize that it might be a little difficult to draw application for our own lives. But I think we need to look at this. I think as, a, as the ring, let, let me say this. As an elder, uh, we are called, one of our callings, one of our uh, responsibilities is to watch over the flock, to protect the flock. And so that imagery that Jesus used with his, his disciples was uh, perfect because they knew what shepherds did. They were shepherds, right? So they knew the impact of a wolf coming into the flock. Um, this was different. This, these people knew what Jezebel meant when she came into a people's group and what the, the havoc that she wreaked, right? So as elders, uh, one of the tough things, and, and I don't even know if I've ever felt this way, but we are protectors of you guys. If someone comes in and is teaching something that's against the Bible, against the Word of, of God, then we are charged with removing them. That's a weird verb, removing. Like, uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm not supposed to hurt anybody, uh, but like, we're charged with that, right? And I, I don't know of a time when we've had to do that. I, I can't say that, that we in the ring are plagued by people who come in. Uh, uh, teaching incorrectly, teaching false, uh, false theology. But that is part of our deal. And so um, part of me is saying that in wishful thinking. Like, I hope we've done a good job as elders with that, you know. I hope that no one has come in and destroyed or, or even damaged, right? And so that's where I'm at with this. But I, I think that we do need to spend a, a minute or two looking at why these people had been seduced, 
right? So what drove them uh, to be seduced? I don't know a lot about seduction. Uh, that's weird to say. <laughs> uh, I don't know a lot about that. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, so I've heard people talk about adultery. I've heard people uh, talk about their marriages and, and um, you know, uh, how this happened or how an infidelity happened or how this part happened or, you know, and, and I, I don't know really what it takes um, but from listening to these people, I've got a couple friends who've walked through that, that terrible thing in their life. Um, and the guys I'm thinking about are on the other side of goodness. Still, you know, the guys who've shared their stories with me, I, I've seen goodness where they're still with their wives and, and, and there's been healing. But it was never an impulse thing. There was always a long walk, Right. Um, it was never as though the movies and, and TV always try and show us this moment of passion where that faithful husband is snatched away from his wife. I, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see it. And, and, and sometimes that may happen in that moment, but there are things set in motion. Uh, we talked, I was talking with some friends, and we were talking about that. And even though this one guy's uh, uh, story of seduction, it did seem like, oh, man, it was just platonic and... There was passion and everything like that. He had walked months and years with insecurities that just set up that, that open door for that type of thing, right? And don't get hung up on, on, on me. I mean, the whole passage is really focused on sexual immorality. That's just the easiest comparison I can draw to being seduced. And so if I can say to you guys that I don't think we have a Jezebel sitting here or never have had a, maybe not had a Jezebel sitting here, um, I think that, I do think that we need to look personally at our own lives and, and measure ourselves and see if there's seduction happening in our own personal walks, right? So what drove those people who followed Jezebel away from the things in Thyatira was they wanted something more. They felt like there was something greater than God. Like I say, they were, they were bombarded with idols and false worship. So obviously, they were driven to something more, or they, they thought there was something better and something above God. So what is it in our lives? Is it, is it influence? Is it recognition? Is it fame? Is it wealth? Is it worldly approval that draws us and seduces us away from totally giving our lives over? You know, because we can be sitting there and just like the guys in Thyatira, we can have kind of one foot in the world and one foot just doing enough to feel like we have right standing with God. Like I say, if I don't express this right, please don't miss it. Are we, are we giving ourselves over to Christ? Or are we still just out of order? You know, we, 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 we get our lives straight and we do all these things that we feel like we should be doing. We get the homes that we want and we buy the vehicles and we get the jobs that we want. And then if we're blessed, we get a, a spouse that really is awesome. And, and, um, and then I feel like we kind of try and shoehorn God into that whole thing. Right? So we walk and we get all this stuff. And we, and we do what the world, what culture has taught us to do. And then, oh, by the way, I better throw a little bit of God in my shopping cart. You know? And that seemed very much what the story of Thyatira was. It would have been easy for those people to be seduced. Right? 
because they were giving themselves to untruths, to false uh, idols. Um, I don't know if we're that much different than Thyatira. Again, I don't, I don't think we have a Jezebel, but I wonder if personally, if there's seduction happening in your life, you know? And, and let's just talk about it for a second. So, so what if it's that personal tolerance to sin? Um, I'll tell you about... Uh, I'll tell you about Roe. I, I want to talk for a minute. I'm almost done. I wanna, I'm almost done. Oh, but I want to talk about uh, earthly patterns, worldly patterns, right? And so for us today, um, it's very, I'm going to stick with the sexual thing because it, it, it's, that's what we're focused on here in the, in the Word. But for us today, we have different ideas on what that's supposed to look like in our dating lives, in our engaged lives, uh, shoot, in our single lives. I mean, there's definite struggles with with that realm, right? Uh, in our married lives, we carry that baggage in and we spend years trying to twist that and fix that back, you know, because we've walked so long going by worldly patterns and conforming to the world when Christ has stood there all along being jealous for us. Don't listen to them. Don't look at that. Don't, don't go that way. I'm here. I'm right here. Come to me, you know? And so, like, why do, we, why do we do it? So I brought a row. I called him. I don't want this to be real awkward, but uh, I called him today. Uh, I, I call him every half hour. I'm late. Uh, <laughs> Roe is Rodney Sutherland, one, one, of the, uh, one of my greatest friends in this world. And, and oddly enough, several of you can say the same thing and mean it. We're all best friends with Roe. He's amazing. Um, he was just a great, he is a great serving God. He's not dead. He moved away. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love you, Ro. Podcast. Um, so he, he, he's, uh, they moved up to Ann Arbor, Michigan, him and his new wife, Cabrini. And what happened with Ro, Ro's my age. We met in high school. Uh, and he's 38. And uh, I think Cabrini's 33, and they just got married a couple weeks ago. Real proud for him. Got to, got to go up and, and see his wedding. And a lot of you guys walked with him here in the ring. Uh, you know, we've walked with him for years. Roe was there from the beginning, 98, rocking and rolling on, you know. He's been a huge fundamental part. Josh talked about it when we kind of sent him off that night. Um, Roe, Ro, uh when he got engaged to uh, Cabrini, he decided he wouldn't kiss Cabrini, right? He had never, I don't know if he had ever, he, okay, I'm not going to ask. So, <laughs> I can't remember the engagement or the dating. They, I don't believe they kissed up till when they're standing at the altar in front of Josh. He says, you kiss your bride. That's, that's the time they kissed, right? Through their whole engagement, beginning their marriage. What a beautiful picture. What a crazy non-worldly pattern right and and look mm, uh, Chris is sitting right there <laughs> me I'm kissing women I'm gonna tell you one thing right now uh, <laughs> um, I'm not Roe right so I'm not sitting here judging you guys I'm looking at Roe and going that's that's not the earth that's not the world what happened I, I'm gonna tell you this I asked him the same thing Roe's a virgin at 38 Is there redemption? You know, some would say, who cares, right? But we've twisted, we've twisted that area of our lives. So a virgin at 38 who just kissed his wife on his wedding day, and I know him. 
I know him well. I'm, I'm his best friend. You guys, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> shout out. Uh, so um, I feel like the podcast mic is up here, <laughs> something like that. Uh, so I'm done. Uh, so I, I, want, I wanted to use Roe because it was such a bold picture. That night at his wedding, we were cleaning up. And someone mentioned it, and some random lady, his mom was standing there. His mom was standing next to a random lady. And the random lady said something like, why'd they do that, you know? Why'd they not kiss their whole engagement? And I think Miss Caroline wanted to just knock her out. I mean, it was just crazy. He wanted to do that because he wanted to honor Cabrini, and he wanted to honor God. He wanted to look at God and, and say, I want to do this right, God. I want to do this right with my wife, right? And so... I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm not trying for you to say, oh, I'm too late. I'm too late. I've kissed, I've kissed people. I've done things. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. It, let's look back at Christ who says, hey, I'm giving you time to repent. Our God is the hero. He desires for you to turn back to him. Who cares what the sin was? Who cares what the sin was? I desire for you to repent and stand firm. So um, worldly patterns conforming. Just a, a few more, few more seconds. Um, what are we tolerating? So row one, you know, he won in that area of life. Row would tell you, he'd be the first to tell you, I didn't win everywhere, trust me. Um, for me, uh, I'll, be, I'll bring it personal. I've got a new position at work, and I'm moving into the office. I've moved into the office. And so I was in the plants, Mr. Greg knows. Um, a very rough place, you know, just, just pretty rough, working around a bunch of guys who just, you know, just, it, it just could be tough. Compare it to a football locker room or a whatever. In Copeland, is that fair? Uh, maybe, I, I don't know. So, um, so I'm moving into an office position, and so I'm beginning to do more client relations, and I'm beginning to do more marketing, and I'm beginning to be more uh, influential in our company's um, success as a business, right? And so what I've realized is, there's more work to be done. There are more dealings and more decisions made so far from that boardroom. There's more work and more money made in the bar room than there is at the, at the, uh, at the board table, right? And so I think I bebop into the office and I'm like, hey, I, let's rock and roll. I'm a good ethical kid. Uh, you know, I'm good at this. Just give me your money. And these guys are like, no, we need to go to the clubs. We need to go to the bar. You need to buy me a boat. You know, that's not a joke. <laughs> that's not a joke. And so I work with some good people. Uh, and I'm not going to throw them under the bus here. But that is just an area in my life where I thought, man, I can, I can walk in and I can be that good Christian kid and have such success, you know. And you know what? I, I am going to do that. But these guys are saying, no, this is, this is what it takes to do business in the world. You know? And so that's where you're seduced away. These guys, some of these guys I may be working with, they're doing what it takes to get the business or get the jobs. And some of y'all, I'm, I'm sorry if, if I'm losing you on this illustration, but um, we've got to stand firm. He says, hold fast until I come. And so regardless of me, you know what it does? And this is what I wanted to get to. I have fear. I have fear that Jake's not going to get promoted or Jake's not going to make the money that I'm supposed to make or Jake's 
going to be abused uh, in his work position because he's not doing what it takes in the worldly ways because I'm not going to the festival, right? I'm part of the union, and if I'm not going to the festival, I'm going to be ostracized. God says, hold fast. Hold on to what I have. You don't need that stuff. Um, so that was personally for me. I, I, I want to be told to hold fast because I don't want to be seduced. Um, what, what else is seducing you? Uh, the, our intake, our, our movies and our TV and the things we're listening to, the people we're around. What, what is chipping away at your truth, right? Where are you standing and, and, and crossing the line or holding fast to the world? Uh, these are the things we have to ask. Uh, be counted with those who have held fast and who have conquered because he is giving the morning star. He is giving himself. So uh, I, want you to, I want you to somehow just take that with you and, and, and pray. I, I talked to Josh. He was like, man, some of the stuff we need to go to our prayer closet with, right? We need to pray. Say, God, what, where am I not worshiping you? Where am I taking something false and just allowing it and I'm tolerating it? Jesus uses that language. You have tolerated this Jezebel. What Jezebels are we tolerating and lifting up and following? We, need, we just need to, man, we just need to hold fast. Hold fast to the burden that he's given and allow him just to rescue us and to come and for us to be counted with the holy. And that was one of the things. Thyatira is just a call to holiness. Was there sin? Yes. Was there a chance to repent? Yes. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Um, Y'all pray with me. The band, let's come back up and uh, let's finish up. Father God, we come uh, tonight and we pray to you, Father, Lord, Holy Spirit, just that you would guide us, Lord, and, and whether I explained it well or not, Father, may you clarify and reveal in our hearts, Father, where we have failed uh, to, to turn from truth. You give us that time to repent, Father God, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the grace and the mercy and that, just that pursuit that you have for us to repent. Lord, may we measure our lives. May we look at those things. May we not hide from them. You, you have shown us where we are falling short. Your standard has shown us where we are turning from you. May we not continue to ignore. May we not hide. Your eyes are like a fire, Lord God. You burn away the impurities. You, th- you see through facades. May we not have facades that are full of sin and and. May we not follow the patterns of this world, Father God. Lord, may we look to you, be with us as we continue to worship, as we lift you up, and as we praise you, Father God. Help us in our daily personal lives just to, just to turn to you, keep our eyes on you, to not be drawn away and seduced by the earth, uh, by the worldly uh, patterns. May we not conform. And may we not rely on our own strength, but may we look to you as our Savior and our Redeemer. And may we have your strength to turn from from those things of this world that, that are not of you. Lord God, be with us. We love you, Father. Be praised. May we just continue to praise. And we ask this in your name. Amen.